Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Hello, we're so glad you joined us today for Jesus the Healer. We invite you to get your Bible, get a notepad, get pen and pencil, and follow along with us, study along with us. We're get, we've gathered here today to have what we're calling Healing School, and we're taking all the healings that happened under Jesus' earthly ministry, and we're studying them verse by verse, line by line, so that we can see by detail what they did, because uh, healing is still for today. It's not just for when Jesus was on the earth. He was giving us an example of the life that we are to walk out in receiving healing, but also in ministering healing. So we want to become skillful. We do that by studying what he did. So we invite you join with us. We're going to be turning today to Mark chapter five, and we're going to be studying about the incident of what is called the madman of Gadara. And the thing that I so appreciate about this passage of scripture, that as we've studied that Jesus is the healer for the body, he is also the deliverer for the mind, that he will bring peace, freedom to the mind. And so in Mark chapter five and verse one, we're going to start reading. And it says, as they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes, And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met Jesus out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Now, I want you to see that phrase, an unclean spirit. Uh, No demon, no devil is clean. They're all unclean spirits. Uh, out of God's kingdom is the Holy Spirit. But any other, any other demon that operates, any ain't fallen angel that works with Satan, they are all unclean spirits. And so it says that immediately there met Jesus out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. So we know it's not from God. That's what we know. Verse three, this man had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him. No, not with chains. So no doubt they had tried to bind him with something else and had to graduate to chains. If ropes don't hold him, so they use chains. So chains couldn't hold him. And it says in verse four, because he had been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. So we see that this man was demon possessed and this demon possessed man had superhuman strength, not from his own ability, but from the strength of the demon that possessed him. And look at this last phrase in verse four. It says, neither could any man tame him. You can't tame devils. You cast them out. You can't you can't get them to calm down and live peacefully with them. <laughs> you, they, you, can't, you don't change their, their behavior. You cast them out. Jesus didn't try to do a recovery thing on him by getting things in his life tamed. He, he cast him out. When there's a demon present, you can't tame it. You cast it out. He was so tormented that this man and your heart goes out to someone in this setting that he's so tormented by these demons that he's not among society. He's not among the rest of 
uh, people. He's out living alone. He's living by himself in a place where men ought not to live, in graveyards, in the tombs, in places that are dark that have no hope, so to speak. That location does not speak of hope for the common man. And so he's living in a place to where he's apart. He's separated from family members, from loved ones. And uh, this demon that possessed him, if we could say it this way, turned him almost into a wild animal. Out living in the wilderness, out in the mountains and in the tombs by himself, living, living among the wild. And notice when the devil gets his way with, with people. Notice what happens. He so degrades them as a human. And that's one thing. When the devil gets his way, he is degrading to what God created. God created every man and the devil so hates God that when he can come into contact and get his way with man, he will degrade him as an insult to the God who created him. So this demon degraded him as a human, turning him more into an animal-like creature. It's not, it's not normal to not be able to live among society. It's not normal to, to live so completely separated and, and be so wild and have this superhuman strength that no one can even approach you. So we say this, anytime there's any kind of pressure that comes to the mind to separate yourself from people, to get away from the rest of society, take your stand against that. The devil wants to isolate you so he can torment you. And God did not create us for isolation. And so, yes, there are the, it's perfectly fine at times to go aside and be alone. But there's another thing to be driven to be alone, to where you're tormented and you're harassed. And so we see that when this man uh, was possessed by this Demon that it took all of his privileges of fellowship with others away from him. In verse 5, it says, And this man, he was always night and day, he was in the mountains, he was in the tombs. Where was that? Where does that mean? Uninhabited places. He's in the mountains, he's in the tombs. Look at this crying and cutting himself. His mind is so tormented that he screams. He is so tormented that the that that this demon that possesses him is getting him to mutilate his own body. He's cutting himself. In today's society, people would call that being a cutter. Well, how many of you know uh, uh, someone who has a normal, healthy mind that they're not going to cooperate with that? So I say if there's any kind of pressure or pushing on your mind to do damage to yourself, take a stand against that. Take a stand against that. Don't let uh, the devil erase human dignity from you. This poor man was crying night and day. And when we're talking crying, we're not just talking tears. We're talking tormenting cries. He's crying out in torment. He had no peace. And it says, look at this night and day. No relief. No relief. And the thing is, no hope. In the sense of he's not out among society that's hearing any hope from someone. People are trying to keep away from him. They're not offering him hope. And when people would come to him, basically that superhuman strength from that demon would kick in and he would resist any human contact. So we see this. It's not natural for a person to behave these ways. Amen. 
this man looked to be beyond all help. He lived a tormented existence. But when it looks like there is no help, when it looks like there is no relief, there is a Savior. There is a Savior. There is help. There is a deliverer. And nothing is hard for him. It's all easy for him. Yes. So just remember, Jesus not only paid your paid the price for you to have to be saved and go to heaven when you leave the earth. He not only paid the price for you to come into right fellowship with the Father. He not only paid the price for you to have a healed body. He paid the price for you to have a peaceful, calm yes. mind. Yes. That's part of the inheritance of a child of God. Yes. Is a sound mind. And so we not only want to use our faith for the blessings of God that are our our inheritance, which of victory, health, provision, but also use your faith for your sound mind. Your sound mind belongs to you in Christ. And just as the devil will try to challenge every other inheritance you have in Christ, he will try to challenge a sound mind. So that just know this, don't feel alone as though something is wrong with you if your mind gets challenged. The devil will challenge everyone's mind at some point in some way, some respect. But you are authorized to say, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. You have to answer those wrong thoughts. You have to tell the devil. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. So you resist him in the name of Jesus. You say, Pastor Nancy, how do I do that? You say, Satan, that's not my thought. You will not torment my mind. You will not take my peace from me. You leave me in Jesus name. It's just as simple as that. And you say, well, it doesn't feel like anything changes. It doesn't matter what you said works. You keep thanking God that a sound mind is yours in Christ and the devil will flee from you. Amen. There is help. Don't ever be hopeless. Don't ever feel as though there's no hope for you. There is. In verse 6, it says, And when when this man saw Jesus afar off, he ran and he worshipped him. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For Jesus had said unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. So the man is coming toward Jesus. Now notice this, this man did not need an introduction to Jesus. He said out of his own mouth, what have I to do with thee, Jesus? This is not the man talking. This is the demon talking, using the man's voice. Because he knew Jesus by name, he knew him as son of the most high God. This man of himself would not have known this simply because he lives in a desert place. He lives isolated. He doesn't know what's going on in society. He's not attending synagogue. He's not... He's not among family. He's not among society that's telling him about Jesus. These are demons who knew Jesus. This goes to show when you walk with God, demons know you. When you walk in your authority, the demons know who who it is that know their authority. Amen. Why? Because you have authority over them. And they know when someone has authority over them as a child of God, as a son of God, 
You have authority over the devil. And you say, well, that's Jesus, son of the most high God. Well, who do you think you are? You're son of the most high God. Amen. You are given the same rights and privileges that we are co-heirs with Jesus. Amen. And so Jesus had said, when we come up on this scene, Jesus had said to the man, come out of him, thou unclean spirit. And this was the response of that demon through the man's voice. What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Now, I want you to see the first phrase of verse six. It says, but when the man saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him. Notice he didn't run and hide from him. I, you have to get this sense was the man wanting freedom and he ran toward and Jesus said, anyone who comes, anyone who comes, no matter how tormented they are, no matter how, how harassed they've been, no matter how bad their life has been for how long, if anyone will just turn in his direction. Amen. He ran and he worshiped him. That was an invitation. That was a, that was him giving permission to Jesus to help him, to intervene. But notice the demon talking through the man said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? Then he says this, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. So notice the demon is tormenting the man. But when Jesus shows up, he, the demon doesn't want to be tormented. So he gives out what he doesn't want to receive. How was Jesus tormenting this devil, telling him to come out? Well, why is that a torment? Because demons must have a body to gain expressions. Demons are spirits. They do not have an earthly body. So what they endeavor to do is find someone who will yield to them and yield their body to them, yield their mind to them, yield their voice to them so that they can gain expression. They're not satisfied or gratified without getting expression. So they're not content just to be present in the earth and trouble people's lives. They want to express themselves. And so uh, Jesus had told this unclean spirit come out. And then he answered with torment us not. And then in verse nine, it says, and Jesus asked him, he's talking to the demon. He's not talking to the man. Jesus asked the demon, what is thy name? And the demon answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. So when the demon didn't come out, notice Jesus asked, what's your name? The demon that possessed him had the name of Legion. But evidently that one demon had gotten in the man and then brought many others with him. So he said, for we are many. Now, to bring clarity to this passage, I want to um, tell you about a, an experience that Kenneth Hagin had. Now, Kenneth Hagin was our spiritual father. And Jesus, on one occasion, appeared to him and said, I'm going to teach you about demons and evil spirits and how they get hold of people. Yes. And in the course of that, he referred to this passage. 
And he said, I had said, just Jesus was telling Brother Haken, he says, I had spoken to that demon to come out and he didn't come out. So he says, I knew I needed to know its name, giving us an idea that it was a higher ranking demon. Because uh, just as military, there are ranks in military. You can have a general and, you know, lieutenants and colonels and sergeants and all the different rankings. Uh, There are also in the spirit world, there's ranks of authority. And so notice this demon named Legion had many under him because there were many in the man. So the demon named Legion came in and there were many that came with him, giving you the idea he's in command over these other demons. And so Jesus asked for the name. And uh, so that's when he said, my name is Legion for we are many. Now, the name Legion also revealed the number of demons. Because a legion in that day is the largest unit in a Roman army. So during Jesus's time, this was a this was a unit in a Roman army. At that time, a legion would average anywhere between three to six thousand people, trained military men. It could be less or it could be more, but that was the average number. So it could be several thousands more. But it was the largest unit. So you get this idea that this demon had a large rank, having other demons under him. And this is the condition we see this man in, not just tormented by one, but tormented by many demons. And so it says in verse 10 that uh, the demon besought Jesus much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a herd, a great herd of swine feeding. In verse 12, and all the devils besought him, saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. Now one of the things that Brother Hagen had also said when Jesus taught him about this passage was that if you were just there, you would have heard that one demon speaking through the man. But he says, I was hearing into the spirit realm, so I heard them all speak. I was hearing the whole spirit realm of their possess of them possessing that man. So uh, he said, and 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 Jesus said to to Dad Hagen in this uh, one incident where he taught him about this passage. Jesus said to Dad Hagen, "Some may wonder why I cast the demons into the swine and not into the abyss." There is a time when all demons will be cast into the abyss, but it's not time for that yet. If I could have, when I was on the earth, I would have cast them there and rid the earth of as many demons as I could, but it wasn't time. See, Matthew 8, 29, when it records this same incident, it said that the demon said, art thou come to torment us before the time? before the time. See, even demons know there's a time and they weren't sure. Could Jesus override the time and cast them into the abyss? They don't. Why? They're not all knowing. Demons are not all knowing. And so they're asking for permission to go into the swine. And was Jesus showing him mercy? Not. No, he wasn't showing him mercy. He just could not cast them into the abyss yet. And so notice this. It says that In verse 10, it said that the demons besought Jesus much that he would not send them away. Look, look at this phrase, out of the country. 
Why, why did they not want to leave that region? Through this man, it had taken them time to dominate that region. And they no doubt had an effect on the spiritual atmosphere of that region because there's so many of them congregated in this one man that is demon-possessed. So know this, the devil will work over time to gain possession of someone, to work against their life, and to bind up not just, the devil doesn't just want to bind up one. He wants to bind up the family. He wants to bind up a region. He wants to bind up a city. He wants to take as much ground as he can. So notice they, the demons were asking Jesus, don't send us out of the country. Why? This is the, this is the land we've been working for a long time. We've been working to gain domination here and they didn't want to leave that country. But I'm so grateful for what the word says about the anointing. That the anointing will destroy the yoke. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Jesus showed up. He's the anointing. They recognized a greater power than them had come on the scene. And they recognized that all this work that they had been doing to dominate that region, to hinder that region, to hinder God from being able to do what he wants in that region was now being threatened by one man with the anointing. One man with the anointing. That's all it takes is one man with the anointing. The anointing destroys the yoke. As I said, demons, they, they work over time. They don't just work in a moment and accomplish something. They will, they will suggest to someone one thought. And they have to deceive that man into thinking those wrong thoughts. And as they do, then more wrong thoughts will come. And then more wrong thoughts will come because it's a process for a demon to gain ground. But it's not a pro- it doesn't have to be a process for the anointing to gain ground. <laughs> one moment, one moment speaking under the authority of God, the anointing of God. And these demons knew that they had just met something greater than, than they possessed. So Jesus can come. The anointing can come. Your pastor with the anointing. Any believer with the word in their mouth, there's an anointing on the word. When you speak the word, the anointing goes in and it breaks the yoke of anything the devil has done. So we don't magnify the devil and make him look large. God is so much greater. The word is so much greater. The anointing is so much greater. The Holy Ghost is so much greater. Far greater. Far greater. Amen. Jesus has raised up, seat us in heavenly places far above all principalities and powers and all might and dominion. There is no power that is anywhere near the power that God has, in, has, has anointed his people with. And so this is what we have to understand. This is what the demons feared. One man showing up on that territory with the anointing. And so we see in uh, verse 13. And forthwith, Jesus gave them leave. He called them out. And the unclean spirits went out. Why? Demons must obey. Demons must obey. When you use the name of Jesus, the, you have the blood of Jesus, the authority given you in Christ. Demons must obey. They don't have an option. 
And notice this, Jesus was not conversing with them to carry on a conversation. He was using his authority over them. You don't sit and talk with demons. You speak an authority over them. And notice in every other place where Jesus dealt with someone who was demon possessed, he would say this, shut up and come out, shut up and come out. That's what they had the right to do was shut up and come out. Verse 13, and forthwith Jesus gave them leave and the the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea and they were about 2,000 were choked in the sea. So we get this idea that because there were 2,000 swine that were affected, that we could at least say there would have been 2,000 demons in the man. So we see this, that if a man's spirit can contain 2,000 demons. How much more of God? How much more of of God's power? How much more of the anointing? That we be, as Ephesians 3.19 says, that you may be filled through all your being under all the fullness of God may have the richest measure of the divine presence, a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself is what the Amplified Translation says. And so I want you to see this. And I, I... It says that in verse 14, and they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting. He's not tormented anymore. He's sitting calmly and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. So I want you to see this. This this was this put these people in awe. And so I, I want to remind us the all conquering authority that we as believers have over anything the devil would seek to work against us. And I say to those of you watching, just know this. I don't care what kind of torment you might have been under. I don't care what kind of harassment mentally there's been. There is complete deliverance, complete freedom for you that your mind is your mind. So I, I pray with you. And I take authority and I say, Satan, you take your hands off the minds of everyone watching in Jesus name. You let them go free in Jesus name. And I say this, there is no freedom apart from Jesus. If you're not born again, you need to be born again. And you say, Pastor Nancy, I want to be free. I want my mind to be my mind again. That is what God planned for you. And so you say, well, how do I do it? Well, the word says that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I say this, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I call on you. I call you to be my savior. I call for you to help me. That's all you have to do. And you say, Pastor Nancy, I don't, I don't know if it would work for me. I mean, I've been so bad. I've done such bad things. The word says whosoever. It doesn't matter how bad. It doesn't matter how, what kind of life you live. Whosoever. So I want you to say this after me. Say, Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. You paid the price for my sin. So now I'm free, cleansed, and forgiven from all my sin. And now I'm a child of God. You are my Savior. God is my Father. And I'm a new creature in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. We trust you've enjoyed this message. 
Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.